everybody. It's a new podcast my partner and I are starting called Moon Goons. My name is Grant. My partner's name is Haley. And I'll let her describe the premise. Uh, we're a couple of goons that are going to watch Sailor Moon. Grant has, uh, he's never watched an episode of Sailor Moon, which is truly astounding because we have been together over five years now. And... I am a Sailor Moon super fan. I've seen every incarnation of the show. I've read the comics. I've made cosplays. I wrote a giant departmental thesis on Sailor Moon. And um, I, I've just never sat down and, and watched an episode with him. Yeah, I know um, certain things about Sailor Moon just through the cultural zeitgeist and memes. But no, I've never seen an episode. How, how did you miss this in the 90s? Well... As every young 90s baby, I watched Toonami and it came on after Dragon Ball Z. And because I was a sexist little baby boy, I decided that show was for girls and I would just skip it until Yu Yu Hakusho or whatever else came on. So I, I missed it. So you're going in completely fresh, like, you know, kind of what the show looks like, you know, some sort of character names, but you don't know, like, any of the plot. You don't know, like, what planets get represented by Sailor Senshi. You don't know like what relationships are formed. So it's truly amazing to come across someone who doesn't really know anything about something that is such a, a cultural juggernaut. Yeah, yeah, I just missed it. I mean, I know, like I said, stuff from memes. Um, I know Tuxedo Mask, who seems really cool to me. Uh, I've seen that meme where they say he does nothing, but I, I don't believe that. Wait, you, you think he seems cool? Yeah, I think he seems cool. He wears a tuxedo and a mask. His name is essentially like uh, Polo Chinos. Polo Chinos, much easier to put on than a tuxedo. Uh, formal wear, he commits to that look. If I was less of a coward, I would commit to a look. So he's committed to a look. Would your look be uh, formal wear and domino mask? Yeah, that's great. I'll just be Tuxedo Mask Jr. Okay, sure. Do you know anything else? Mm, I know the main character's name is Usagi. I know she has a cat named Luna. And yeah... Um, yeah, that's really about it, honestly. Yeah, so that's that's how fresh this is. And it's it's pretty exciting that you're going to take this journey with me because Sailor Moon is so important to animation as a whole. You know, there's Sailor Moon references in shows like Adventure Time and in Steven Universe and even in places where you don't necessarily expect to see Sailor Moon references. And uh, in like the world of anime, uh, it kind of changed the game for for programming that was targeted at young girls. It was really made on kind of a shoestring budget. And um, a lot of the animators got a lot of leeway with what they could do because nobody was really expecting it to to do anything. They didn't know if it was gonna like be profitable. So they were able to, uh, to kind of run with the source material that was still like an ongoing manga. So they weren't really sure like where that was going. Um, it's kind of a weird little beast and beat the odds really to become this like, you know, multi-billion dollar franchise that, that became known even outside of Japan, which was, it's huge. Um, and it's really important to a lot of people for, for a variety of reasons. Like you wouldn't expect you know, this this show that looks very frivolous on the surface to um, to, to kind of hold the place in, in so many people's hearts that it does. And um, a lot of very prominent, very important animation directors really cut their teeth at, at Sailor Moon. Ikuhara, who went on to make some some anime that's considered like, you know, psychological masterpieces. Um, Utina was is called like the most feminist 
anime ever made. I mean, I think that's debatable, but yeah, like these people. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you know, these people uh, really became big deals in the industry and, you know, they, they came out of Sailor Moon. I'm really excited. So what are we going to do? First two episodes and then recap? Yeah, we're going to do uh, two episodes a week and then talk about them. And uh, I mean, we might if we if we're really like on a good run, we might watch a couple more than that. But we're going to we're going to try to do two a week because there's 200 episodes total. And so I feel like 100 viewings is a nice, neat little um, put a bow on it. Yeah. And I know you missed it as a kid because you were a sexist little baby boy. Mm. But I, I want to thank you baby for Grant is canceled. <laughs> baby Grant. Actually, just all babies. Babies are canceled. <laughs> they don't even pay taxes. But uh, yeah, I want to say thank you for watching it with me now. It really means a lot to me. I know this sounds crazy, but Sailor Moon really kind of made me who I am. And uh, there's been points in time where it sort of saved my life, really. Like the messages in the show and the things that it says about like what people can do and what women can do specifically. And um, growing up a little queer girl, I never thought that that was weird because I grew up watching Sailor Moon from such a young age and um, I was exposed to the the uncut, like subtitled stuff through like bootleg tapes at my local video store as a very young kid. And yeah, I never thought being a little like queer girl was weird because you know, so we're the Sailor Senshi. Even beyond like the gender and the sexuality stuff, there's just a lot of things in there that really have kept me going and made me who I am today, which is hopefully the person you love. And I'm happy to go on this journey with you. All right, we're gonna go watch these first two episodes. Okay, so um, you've you've seen an episode of Sailor Moon now. You've seen two. Two episodes, yeah. Give me your uh, your adult man hot takes on this little girl show. Okay, so the first thing that really jumped out to me is the music. I love the music in this show so far. It's very big band, it's very jazz, it's really cool. You know, I, I really like the opening intro. The animation style like has some really cool like watercolor almost parts. Just those clouds right at the beginning I thought were really cool opening up with the bells. Let's see, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really jumped out to me that is like like overall on the show. I think the voice acting is good. When we watch it, even though it's in Japanese, the voice actors do such a good job that, you know, most of the time I can get the gist of what they're feeling at least. So I think that's a real big credit to them. Yeah, yeah, those are kind of my big takeaways without like diving into each specific episode. So the sound design, that's what's got you so far? Sound design is A1. Very cool. I love the musical choices they've made. I really like the intro song a lot. And I had heard that before just because, like, it's one of those things. Like, everyone knows, like, Rock the Dragon kind of thing, you know? I think most people know the uh, the kind of original deep dub, you know? She is the never running from right. the real fight. Right, right. Which is the same melody, but a completely, completely different lyrics. The lyrics of the Japanese version are much more, like, grown up. It's about, like, trying to trying to call somebody at midnight to come over. Hey, <laughs> not mad at that. Oh, and then and then right on cue, somebody just called your phone. Hey, you know it's not midnight, but they can't wait. I get it. <sighs> um. Okay, so we're gonna just move on. No, this is canonical now. <laughs> that, that other women are calling you while we're talking about Sailor Moon. Uh, it doesn't have to be women. Could be anybody. Um. Very popular man. What 
Did anything surprise you from like kind of your preconceived notions of the show? Let's see. Surprise me. Uh, I kind of surprised at how, and this isn't so much a preconceived notion of the show, but like subtitles in general and dubs is like how well a lot of the jokes still land and like the comedic timing even in another language is still very funny like there's a part where usagi is thinking she is in the first episode so luna jumps in and is like talking to usagi and she's like ah talking cat and then luna says something and there's like a beat and then usagi just goes good night and pretends she's asleep and it's still like i laughed it was still very funny or um and this might be my favorite part so far so Queen Beryl, <laughs> so I love this scene because it's so cool and I love the art in this scene a lot. It opens with that like throne room that's like this really cool pink and blue skull throne. It's very metal, it's very cool. Um, and then it cuts to Queen Beryl with her crystal ball, right? And she's like, did y'all find the silver crystal? And everyone's just like... No! You ask every day! <laughs> You'll know if we get it! We'll let you know! Yeah, the uh, the Yoma in the Dark Kingdom uh, really need a union. Who's the, What's a Yoma? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's the monsters. Oh, okay. Is that like a Sailor Moon thing or just a Japanese thing? That's just a Japanese thing. So we oh, okay. are watching uh, the new Viz dub that is available on Hulu's streaming service. But uh, I... I was in Japan for a little while in high school, Flex. Um, and I, I know a little bit of Japanese, um, and I watched uh, various translations, but sometimes the like subtitles won't be on, and Sailor Moon is such a, like, I don't want to say a simplistic show, but the, the language that they use for the show is very simplistic, so like I'll just forget the subtitles aren't on, and Grant will be like, hey, so uh, apologies if I use any like terms. You should, yeah, thanks for calling me out on that. I'm going to try not to do that. Uh, no, I'm very curious. I, I don't, um, I think I know a little bit about Japanese culture, but stuff like that, and especially horror stuff, I'm always very interested in. So, uh, yeah, we're going to take it back to the, the beginning of the first episode and kind of dive into maybe even the opening. So, I really love how kind of abstract and bizarre the opening animation is. Yeah. I think the main word I'd kind of use to describe it would be, like, cosmopolitan. There's all those different architecture styles with like onion domes and then a zeppelin flies by. And um, the treatment of tuxedo mask in the opening is actually kind of spooky. There's all those like grinning like masks that's been around. Uh, yeah, I um, I was going to say it's very dreamlike. So maybe with what you were saying about how it's like someone meeting you late at night and it's like maybe you're waking up or maybe they're a person from your dreams. Uh, maybe they're your dream man. Um, so the Viz dub does not subtitle the opening. So maybe maybe I'll put on one of my fan subs for that so Grant can see the lyrics. But it, the name of the song is Moonlight Densetsu. But the chorus says, and so Moonlight Densetsu means like moonlight melody. And the chorus uh, is Miracle Romance. And it's we, we are meeting again in a new time, like a new place. Basically like how, how, does, how do we keep finding each other? It's miraculous. And it's somebody trying to to reinitiate that sort of relationship. Like, I know this is meant to be. I know that I've like found you again, but still, that like that reach out to like rekindle this or like restart this is uh, scary. And I don't know. I think if you want to put it in like popular music terms outside of the universe of Sailor Moon, think about like having an on again, off again relationship and how nervous you are about like 
calling them. Like, you wake up in the middle of the night and you want to talk and you're like, uh, can I call them? Is it okay to? I, and I mean, who hasn't been in an on-again, off-again relationship and, and had that kind of, like, anxiety about, you know, reaching out to someone you've got history with? Sure, sure. It's, yeah, I think you put it really well. I, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I, I'm looking forward to seeing if that plays into the overarching story or that was just kind of like... I assume this song was made specifically for Sailor Moon. Yes. Okay. Pretty much all the, the songs in the show were made specifically. Yeah, it really shows. It really shows. Like, whoever was the music director on this, A+, plus, because it's it's really well done. And even that opening theme, and of course I am familiar with, you know, dun, 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 Moonlight, I think just speaks to how iconic that music is. Like, as someone who's like, I know that theme. Yeah, it's, it's a real earworm, especially the uh, the original old dub of it. I will give Deke one thing. They really butchered the show, but the original music that they ended up adding was also really good. So they, they kind of carried mm. that on. I'd be interested in checking that out, yeah. So yeah, I'm getting into the actual episode now, and from um, kind of the surrealism of the opening. So I do want to, before we get into some other things about the episode, I do want to talk a little bit about kind of the technical stuff, because this is the first time I'm paying attention to that, even as big of, of a fan as I am. So this first episode, Crybaby Usagi's Magnificent Transformation, was directed by Junichi Sato, and he was the original director for the first two seasons of the show, he was the lead director. And he went on to make some really, really, really popular shows after that. Probably the most popular would be Aria, which was gigantic in Japan, and kind of launched a genre called healing anime, which is like um, slow- Therapy anime? <laughs> uh, it's like slow-paced, relaxing, like, ah. cute stories where, like, okay. not a whole lot happens. Uh, so Arya's about uh, some young girls who are, like, gondola tears on a terraformed Mars. Oh, cool. And it's just, like, a beautiful, like, Martian landscape, and they just kind of, like, push their boats around and, like, talk to people. Sounds chill. Uh, yeah, it's chill. That uh, sounds very tranquil. So the other stuff that he did, he did a weird little show called Strange Dawn that I adore, but I don't know if anybody else likes, which is, like, about the horrors of war, but with cute little, like, fairy gnome creatures. Gatekeepers was a big one, pre-tier... Sergeant Frog. What's Sergeant Frog about? Uh, it's about a frog who's a sergeant. The most important one kind of to me besides Sailor Moon he did was uh, called Princess Tutu, which sounds kind of silly when you say it, but is absolutely fantastic. Like It is a, a masterpiece of, of storytelling in the magical girl genre. And I mean, there's more stuff, but... So he was the lead director for the first two seasons. And Kuniko Ikuhara was the assistant director, and uh, who eventually, in season three, took over the helm of the show. And we're going to get to an episode that he directs on his own pretty soon, and we can kind of compare the tones and styles there. And the other big thing I want to pay attention to is the animation direction, because Sailor Moon was known for having a revolving cast of staff. There are at least five different lead animation directors that I can like think of off the top of my head in the series, and they all have ex very, very different styles. And one of the things about uh, the show not having a very big budget was that nobody went back through and kind of streamlined and made all those episodes look the same. So when you're watching it, you're going to be able to tell 
inventory who did what episodes. They're going to be like noticeably stylistically different. Okay. And I'm interested to kind of see if you notice or, or your takes on that. Sure. So the animation director for this first episode is Hiromi Matsushita. Hiromi Matsushita. Yes. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, I guess we can get into the animation a little bit. So talking about the kind of lack of budget, I I don't notice it watching the show. I mean, there's going to be things that, that will become noticeable, like use of stock footage. But a lot of people will point out kind of the lack of, of detail in the background drawings and stuff. But I love that watercolor style that's right. in the backgrounds. I think it's gorgeous and it's become so like iconic. Like how many YouTube... Lo-fi hip-hop. Yeah. Beats to study to. Yeah. Yeah. Like vaporwave aesthetic kind of like videos use Sailor Moon cityscapes. Right, right. Really cool shots of like Tokyo Tower done in like that blue watercolor with like the glowing dots. It's it's a very pretty painting of this uh, neighborhood in Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. One of the scenes that really stood out to me that I I really liked, she was... um, she being Usagi? She being Usagi. Was doing, uh, I think, Moon Tiara action. And there's like this green background with pink bubbles that is just streaming down past her. And and by the way, sub note, my girl on her first day, that monster was like, who are you? And she like paused. And then she had this whole like 30 second spiel she just fired. Some points for improv. She even hit like some poses. Very impressive. I, I would have been like, oh, I'm the guy who's going to kick your ass. <laughs> so, like, really, she made it. She sold it to me. I was into it. Um, great promo from Sailor Moon. Um, is, that a, is that a wrestling reference? Yeah, yeah. I uh, She had me marking out, for sure. I popped big. Um, I have no idea. Those are certainly all words. It was streaming down, and it had, like, pink bubbles in it. And I was like, wow, that's such a good combination, and it's so bright. And it's so interesting to watch. And it conveys such a sense of movement, even though they aren't having, you know, they're just like having that go back. And it's, you know, it's just the same, maybe 10 cells, for example. But it's so smart. And if they did have limited resources, I couldn't really tell because whatever they did, I think they were very smart with. I really love how expressive the characters are. And I think that's something that's fallen out of modern anime is now everything is supposed to look really cool or really pretty. Kind of. What is the uh, boyfriend thing you told me about? What? Shoujo? Shoujin? Shonen is a genre. No, um, it's like where you see the boyfriend and he gets the handsome face. Oh, shoju vision. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like how uh, how how characters are depicted in shoju, where everything is very bubbly and pretty. And yeah. Sailor Moon gets a lot of that too, but it's also like not afraid to be like wacky. And right. They're not. A, they're definitely not afraid to draw Usagi with like less than pretty faces. That's something that's already drawn me in. Is I can tell this is not a show that's going to take itself so far too seriously. But it also, one of the things I'm not a big fan of in anime is characters who are like too childlike, who aren't children. And even though Usagi is a child, she feels very real and like, you know, is complicated so far it seems. Like has different things, like she's not a straight A student. She's not like, and I kind of hate this term, but not like a Mary Sue. You know, she's got her flaws. She loves like... You know, she wasn't like, I have to go save the world. Luna was like, yeah, you need to do this. And she's like, eh, I'm going to take a nap. 
Uh, yeah, the first episode was really, uh, Usagi wants to take a nap after school and then she ends up staying out all night fighting a monster. It was like someone let this little girl go to sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's let's walk through the first episode. Okay. Um, so we get uh, we get Usagi waking up late as usual. Um, I love the design of her bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. I love that. So Usagi Tsukino is her name, right? And as she tells us in the beginning, uh, her blood type and her birthstone is pearl. So her name is literally a pun. It means bunny on the moon. Usagi is bunny or rabbit and Tsukino is of the moon. And then uh, she's waking up under her duvet with little little rabbits jumping over moons. And that's a thing in Japan. Um, you know, we say there's a man on the moon made of cheese, and they say there's a rabbit on the moon making mochi. There's a little rice cake. So that's where a lot of this linkage of her and her name into the moon comes from. But yeah, she's got she's got that great chicken alarm clock. She's got this cute room, and the background is kind of done like with impressions, but it, it works and it looks so good. And, um, you know, she rushes out the door to school. She's on the way to school and um, she saves Luna from some kids. And the tone of the show really kind of flips right there. And for a second, it's it's pretty spooky. A little ominous, yeah. Yeah, the sound design changes. We get a shot of Luna kind of from behind, staring Usagi down from the top of a car. Yeah, we know something's up with Luna because she did a front flip away. Uh, oh, that's just how cats jump. Oh, okay. I've never seen a cat, so thank you. I did have um, knowledge that obviously Luna is a character beforehand, but no, it's 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 definitely if you came into a blind, you would be like in that first meeting. I was like, oh, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Yeah, they definitely use the the spooky sounds there for Luna, and then later after school. You see uh, Luna kind of following Usagi around town uh, in a very like do do do. Yeah. I'm a spooky black cat kind of way. With a big uh, crescent moon bald spot. I guess let's uh, let's look at Usagi's uh, school life a little bit. Okay. Uh, so we met two of her friends, Naru and Umino. Uh, yeah. Don't have a real strong opinion about either one from this. Umino, you're kind of reading as, like, a uh, nerdy kind of character. You know, he's got his swirl glasses, which I like. It's a nice touch. He, he, he like, kind of fucking uh, backhand compliments Usagi. He's like, yeah, I wasn't studying either. I only got a 95. And then her other friend, what was it? Naru. Naru. Naru, whose mother owns, like, an upscale jewelry boutique, we find out. Which is a is a funny thing because the name of the jewelry store is Osapi, and uh, that is uh, Naoko Takeuchi, who wrote the manga that this is based on. That is her editor. Ah. Yeah, so there's little Easter eggs dropped yeah. around in there. And then when we get to go to the jewelry shop, there are some characters in the background there that are lifted from the show Fushigi Yugi, which is another shoju anime that was running at the same time and was very popular. So they kind of snuck them in the background shopping in the, in the Oh, cool. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Stuff like that is so fun for fans, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, so it's it's interesting doing this without being able to like share screenshots. So I'm hoping people will go back and like find them in there if they've ever missed them. Oh, we also get Umino talking uh, to Usagi about uh, Sailor V. That's, oh, Usagi yeah. first learns about yeah, yeah, yeah. Sailor V there. Um, so... Yeah, I'm a little confused. So Sailor V seems to me like a, uh, I can't tell if, like, 
They were like, she showed up and stopped some crime. I heard she's a secret agent. But then they made a video game of her, I think, in that episode. Or that might have been the next episode. And she's just shooting people with a gun. Yeah. So I'm a little, like, intrigued by how that's going to develop. Because I don't I don't know if she's going to be, like, you know, a bad guy. Or there's some kind of, like, connection to Sailor Moon. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there's probably... She's obviously going to show up, but I don't know in what capacity just yet. So, uh, yeah, Usagi of Sailor Moon gets murder jewelry, and we see Sailor V in a game with just a, just a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I will shoot you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay. So then we get back to, you know, Usagi going home, and, you know, she tries, she attempts to take this nap that never gets to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get another, like, really kind of spooky shot. It's sort of ominous of from behind of Usagi laying on her bed. And then, you know, her curtains billowing softly. And then someone sneaking in. And that someone is revealed to be Luna. How'd that cat open that window? I'm going to go with Usagi did not have it closed all the way. Hmm. Hmm. I think uh, that exchange was, that was the part that I was really amused by. Because it was, like, the timing and you could really tell, like you pointed out. When she's like, good night, like this is a dream. And then kind of also like that whole scene really shows a lot of personality. And I think maybe shows how she's like very carefree. And I don't know how serious Sailor Moon gets, but um, she's very much like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll try this talking cat. Like she's relative, considering everything, she's fairly unfazed. (laughs) Like for a second, she's like a little weirded out, but she's like, Okay, and uh, Luna's like, all right, say moon power makeup. Moon crystal power makeup. Moon crystal power makeup, thank you. Oh, wait, we're on episode one. Moon prism power makeup. Moon prism power makeup. And uh, Usagi's just like, yeah, sure. And she does it, and then she freaks out because she's transforming. But I really appreciate the part where Luna backflips, poops out a little amulet onto the bed, and then Usagi's like, oh, wow, this just looks nice. Thank yeah, you. She's just she's just posing. She immediately <laughs> goes to modeling. Yeah. Uh, she's, Usagi would have done really well in the age of Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was, she was feeling herself. But um, what I wanted to talk about, about, like, you know, that spooky kind of sense where Luna is coming in and it's very foreboding yeah. um, where this young girl is asleep, is that there have been shows that are, like, quote-unquote, dark magical girl shows or like deconstructions of the magical girl genre like Madoka Magica you know there's these sort of dark and gritty uh, magical girl shows that are aimed at very adult audiences specifically um, adult men not necessarily a sexual way but just like a dark and gritty kind of way and you know people act like oh this is the first thing to do this this is so and it's like you know Sailor Moon could have easily gone in that direction and at some points it really might question mark Mm. so you know the genesis for kind of everything the genre does is is there in sailor moon but yeah initially um her reactions to luna is shock and uh usagi's voice actress is uh kotono mitsuishi um and that uh that oh yes me is so good when she's just putting her head yeah the, the one beat and then the timing of it it's really like it really says a lot because they could have really phoned that line in, but she really sold it. It's very funny. It's standout, and she is a fantastic voice actress. And I was even noticing that from other things, and like how like much she brought to the to the character of Usagi. Um, even some of the interact interactions with Mamoru are oh, like he doesn't have a name yet. 
Uh, well, I kind of figured out who who he is, so... Okay, so do you, um, let, let's get through this transformation scene, and then maybe we can go back and talk to talk about his, his introduction. Okay. So, Usagi's uncooperative, and then she kind of signs up when Luna gives her something shiny, like, here's a piece of jewelry, okay, I'm in! <laughs> and we see that in the second episode, when, uh... She figures something out, and Luna's like, "Good job! I'm surprised you know you managed to do that." And Usagi hands out her hand, like, and he's like, "All right, time for my reward, right? I get another, get another piece of jewelry." Luna was like, uh, "No, <laughs> uh, saving the day should be its own reward." Um, it's not that. True. No, it is its own reward. So Luna tells her uh, what to say to transform, but she doesn't tell her like movements to make or anything like that. So. I, uh, I'm liking to think that like throwing her hand up and posing and being dramatic is, uh, that's just all Usagi. Yeah, that's a funny way to view it. I didn't think about that, but yeah, it's not like she just said, say, moon, prism, power, makeup. And then she goes into this very elaborate, and we have to talk about the transformation sequence, because that's so well animated, it's so smooth, I love the music. And it's such a 90s thing to add a guitar riff into it. But it's like, here we go, here comes some action. <laughs> and it, it's it's awesome to see, because it's like, the way they layer all those colors, she's like got her rainbow thing, but you still see her eyes, but her body is like a prism, um, which I guess moon prism, magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that music and just that scene is so much fun to watch. People don't realize how metal Sailor Moon is. Yeah. Between, like, the Dark Kingdom designs and uh, the guitar riffs. Yeah, the Dark Kingdom, and I wish I could remember his name, but there's a really classic Dungeons & Dragons illustrator, and parts of it kind of reminds me of that. Like, seeing that big skull throne. It's very, like, Conan the Barbarian almost, you know? Yeah, so she transforms, and... We see the little uh, bun shields in her hair react to Naru in danger across town. Oh yeah, she has like bun radar. And so she she dashes over to save Naru, and we see the first monster of the series, which... How do you feel about this monster? Man, so this monster was legit scary. I kind of thought it was going to be a little more on, I don't know, like a weird color or something like this, but this monster was very much, and I think this is such a smart design because some of the most effective monsters are kind of in that uncanny valley of almost human. And the way they had her mom shrivel up, it reminds me of like when people do witches as bestial creatures. And I really like this type of witch, it's very scary. She turns her head all the way around to look at Sailor Moon, so it's so inhuman and monstrous. I really like the design of this monster. And then she says when she turns around after Usagi introduces herself, something that I have never thought about before, this rewatch, but she says, Sailor Moon, never heard of her. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if that's gonna be foreshadowing, but maybe, maybe that is significant. Say the moon. Um, so she comes into this fight and I'm glad you started talking about her like posing and having this this reel and stuff. I really like the idea of, and I think Sailor Moon does this a lot, of uh, glamour as power. Uh, if we think about like the jewelry and stuff being used. Mm-hmm. Usagi doesn't know what she's doing, but now she's got this outfit 
that sort of makes her feel powerful. Right. And then she then starts just like posing and giving spiels and she's like, this is what heroes do, right? Right, it's right. It's kind of fake it till you make it. Her transformation sequence is almost like her getting into drag a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's, like it's, dress for the job you want. Like yeah. pull it off. It's like, you know, if, I, if I've got a suit on, I feel like, you know, a little more like, oh, businessman Graham. But I also think it kind of paints her as not realizing how in the deep end she is. Uh, I mean, somebody does a attack her with a broken bottle, very bar fight style. Yo, <laughs> yeah, this one lady. So, all right, the monster is like, rise, my minions. Very Rita Repulsa. And one of the ladies comes at her with a broken bottle and fucking slashes her leg. God, there was blood. There was blood. Mm. Um, but, uh... Yeah, you know, Luna never tells her, like, you're a champion of love and justice or anything. Or, like, you know, in the name of the moon, you're going to punish people. This is this is more just kind of coming out of Usagi again. Um, yeah. So it's sort of like, all right, well, now I'm going to say that I'm this with confidence, and we'll see what happens. And, I mean, ha most of the make job... Make it till you make it. Most of the job is showing up and saying something with confidence. Yeah, it really is. Okay, and then the other big development in this fight is the first appearance of uh, your guy. Oh, okay. So, I'm very excited about this. So, he comes in, he saves Usagi, throws the rose, and then the monster's like, who are you? Does he save her? Here's the thing. So, definitely saves her from getting mauled by the monster. Then he says, Sailor Moon, crying won't solve anything. But then Sailor Moon keeps crying... And it shuts down a bunch of the monsters, so it did sort of solve a lot of problems. It did solve everything. I thought that was kind of like, all right, well, yeah, yeah, and then... That's so good, because it, it shows that, like, none of these characters really know what they're doing. Right. Number one. But two... It also says, like, she's the one kind of, like, driving this, you know what I mean? Like, Tuxedo Mask isn't saving the day. He's helping, you know, he stopped her from getting mauled, but... It's the Sailor Moon, and I guess that's hinting at some kind of power she's going to get. I don't know if she's going to be able to like yell real loud like Black Canary or something. But maybe she just cries and everyone just feels bad and goes home. Well, it was like Sonic shrieking. In right, this, so. right. But, I mean, if we think about the other message of this, it's that you can still, you know, she starts at the beginning. Crybaby Usagi's miraculous transformation right she's still crybaby usagi at the end of this even with these superpowers now and she's utilizing that and right crying does make you feel better like it releases feel-good hormones as long as you don't have another like neurological issue going on. that's really the double whammy of depression is you don't get the feel-good hormones from crying so it's like i cry all the time do you get the feel-good hormones sometimes but it does sometimes solve problems and even if it doesn't telling people to just stop crying is never helpful luna was telling her to stop crying too uh luna's kind of pushy but you can be the crybaby and you can still save the day and you can still get it done and sometimes emotions are necessary and powerful and you can use those feelings and i think that's really um the main message from this fight before she uh uses her murder jewelry on this monster that has a name and a relationship with with a jedi so like it's, this is a whole character she just like straight up kills and is like, Yatta! Yeah, she just murked this monster. Morgana, she's got a name. Morgana. Um, Morgana hardly knew ya. Okay, so what uh, what were you going to say about Luna? 
Your impressions of Luna as a character. Oh, Luna, yeah, definitely, like, pushing Usagi past her comfort level, but also because she's very driven. She's got her own mission, it seems. Like, it hasn't gone too much into her yet in both episodes, but it's very much like Luna needs... She lays it out for her earlier. She's like, you have one mission. Your first mission is to take care of this evil that's shown up. Your second mission is to find the princess. And Luna, obviously, is very driven and, and, you know... She's a very serious cat. Very serious cat, yeah. Don't let the backflips fool you. (laughs) Uh, That only makes her more serious. (laughs) To be fair, if someone backflipped at me, I take them very seriously. Okay, so we talked about Morgana and we're saying, you know, her, she's a whole character with a relationship. She's got a relationship with the big, the other big bad that we haven't talked about. We're introduced to Jadeite. Jadeite? Jadeite. Jadeite. Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of hasn't seen too much of him. He just shows up and is like, Queen Barrel, I'll take care of it. Why is his theme music such smooth jazz? Oh, I loved that. <laughs> I loved that track. Who decided? Uh... He, maybe he's a smooth operator. I don't know. Uh, you see him in the second episode, and I love this. He's like, what's the most inconspicuous thing I can wear? Purple trench coat, matching purple hat. Yeah, it's a fedora, so Jedi wears a fedora confirmed, um, <laughs> which I'm going to connect to something later, I promise. Um, but he doesn't, like, take his evil general uniform off. He just throws a coat and a hat and some sunglasses on over it. No, he earned that. It's like, uh, my guy... You gotta come up through the ranks. You can put on jeans and a t-shirt. Speaking of which, okay, so I love the fashion of Sailor Moon. I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh, yeah. You uh, haven't seen much of it yet. But I did like Mumru's, like, lavender slacks. You were the only person in the world nah, that... sharp. I need to get a pair. Lavender slacks? Lavender slacks, black turtleneck, green jacket. Olive green and, and lavender. Mumru's living in, like, 2035. He's... You're living in 2021. He's wearing wearing an olive green blazer with lavender slacks. It's called fashion. Fucking look it up. Um, and some some Blade Runner shades. Yeah, yeah, he's got the big chunky shades. Those are back in though. So the fashion of Sailor Moon has really come back in, except those lavender slacks. Uh, no, that's definitely come back in. You're just a hater confirmed. So we we get that, and uh, we haven't seen much of the girls' fashion yet, but. I do like these little touches of, you know, Usagi being a total mess and stuff, but when she's running and her, like, school skirt kind of swishes around, you see she's got a really cute lacy little half slip on underneath, which is such a, like, adorable, like, feminine princessy touch. I think that's all of the beats. Kind yeah, of that's pretty much episode, episode one, I think. Yeah, there's, there's a good bit there just because um, it is the introduction to maybe one of the most iconic characters in, in modern animation. Yeah. But hey, let's do um let's do episode two. So I have some thematic issues with this episode. So first off, it's directed by Takao Yoshizawa, who went on to be an episode director for a lot of things like Digimon. Ah, Digimon All the Champions. But he hasn't been like a main director on a bunch of series and stuff. It's like a lot of uh, episode director, mm-hmm. except he did do the Galaxy Express 999 movie. And that's... that's the a- Daft Punk movie? No. Oh. It's, a, um, it's about a train that flies through space. Sick. If you saw the character designs, you'd probably recognize it. Okay. And then the animation director for this one is Katsuji Matsumoto. And I think he might have done the first one as well. So we, we I believe... No, no. Um, he did not, but at least those two are, like, coherent. 
Yeah, I don't think I noticed a very big shift in style. No, not between these two. So I have a little bit of thematic issues with this one because our victim of the week is Unino, and we haven't really gotten enough of him at this point to be really emotionally invested or to know who he is outside of this. And other than the fact that uh, the, the monster, when she's kind of uh, putting him under control, says, now you're going to be a charming servant of the devil, which I think is hilarious. Charming devil servant. You know, it says, like, you'll now you can just do whatever you desire without having to worry about social constraints. And then we see Umino do some, like, pretty, like, shitty sexist things. And it's like, is that who he is underneath everything else? You know, it's not a great impression and I, I don't know this guy enough to, to care about him at this point. I think that he would have worked as a victim later after we see him have some more interactions with other people. Yeah, I'm getting the feeling that, and this is something I like about when, when any show does this, is where we have a recurring cast of secondary characters as opposed to just, oh, we need the story beat, let's introduce a new character. Because I think that can be very lazy. So I'm assuming we'll continue to see like Umino and, who's Sailor Moon's other friend again? Naru. Naru. Um, and we even see Naru, we see both of them in both episodes. But um, it was a fun episode in a lot of ways, but yeah, there were some scenes, uh, Umino's voice actor really shines. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's got some really funny delivery. Um, Naru is really funny in this episode, too. Uh, Naru's great. Umino... Just spoilers, Naru's great. Umino talks about, like, wanting to ask out Usagi, and she's like, what, you? No. No, buddy. It's not gonna happen. No, I don't think so. Um, and then he's like, well, yeah, but I, I made my own little computer program, and it said we're gonna get married. And it's like, oh... Well, this is what Umino's doing I, in his free time. I'm He's... sure, yeah, that is based on science. Not just the code you wrote. Mm-mm, no way, pal. So, we, uh... Run the simulation again. The episode opens with, you know, we've got kind of a grandfatherly sort of fortune teller, except he's down an alley, so it's like these people are lining up to go down this alley I love and that. meet this old man. I love that. He is not, he is taking up the space that is not used, is very environmentally conscious, you know, why not? But, so Does he need an office? No. So there's a line of people waiting to see him, yeah. and Jedi goes by in his trench coat and fedora, mm. and is like, Huh. Powerful combo. People will line up for this? Alright, that's I'll just rip off this old man's business model for my next plan. And he sets up a, a rival fortune teller across the street that's big and flashy and kind of opulent, and then everybody just switches there, except Usagi, who goes by and is like, Oh, grandfatherly fortune man I see all the time. Nobody's here for, for a line. And like, the lesson here is that going down dark dangerous alleys to talk to old men is safe and... I was gonna say the lesson here is to support small business. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, this is another kind of break in uh, what we've seen of Usagi's character so far. You know, we talked about how like she's got to be sort of coerced into saving the day and rewarded with jewelry and or it's got to be sort of do or die, her friend is in trouble. Right. But, you know, she stops on the way to school to save Luna. She wasn't so wrapped up in kind of her own world to miss doing that. That's very true. And then now she's doing something else, which is caring, which is like, okay, well, you know, tell my fortune now. I'll, I'll you know, shell out for a poem reading or whatever. I think an interesting part here is the fortune teller in the alleyway 
is doing a very uh, traditional Japanese style of fortune telling with the, the sets of small like dowels or like bamboo sticks. And the monster fortune teller that Jedi has set up is using Western style tarot cards. Mm, mm. <laughs> what are they trying to say here? Trying to give the important message, um, those Western devils. <laughs> the Dark Kingdom is obviously full of white people. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh. Anyway, Sailor Moon is great. Umino gets possessed, goes to school the next day, and flips up Haruna's skirt, which has a big smiley face on it. Yo, yeah. How did he not get expelled? Yeah, and then another kid trips Haruna in class, and she just kind of starts crying. It's like, Miss Haruna, you are a mess. You are an adult. Yeah, these kids are... I mean, teenagers suck, but... You're a grown woman. Haruna's a mess. Also, he says to her, you were walking too loudly in the classroom. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Umino's over here laughing at his comic books. Yeah, he doesn't care. They call another teacher incompetent, which I think is hilarious. They're breaking windows and they're like, you're incompetent anyway. I kind of respect that energy on one level. The other big thing that kind of evil Umino does that I think is great to point out is he... He's talking to Usagi in a way that she thinks is really disrespectful, and she points it out. She's like, stop talking to me that way. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to lean in for a kiss. And it's really uncomfortable. Like, the way that they cut to her face, and she's looking so scared and worried and not sure what to do. And she's like, hey, this, this is my friend. Why is he treating me this way? Like, now I'm in this position, and she obviously doesn't want this person to kiss her. And it's tense. It made my skin crawl a little. But then she does the best thing where she starts screaming and crying really loudly and being like, leave me alone. Yeah. Someone help me. And once again, crying solved her problem. Yeah. If you're ever in that situation, causing a scene can be a powerful tool. Yeah. Make a scene and usually creepy people will go away and leave you alone. Right. And immediately she cheers up and she's like, okay, all better now. Because she had a strategy and it worked. I support it. Yeah. Then uh, she uses a little bit of information from Luna to find out that the House of Fortune is where the evil energy is coming from. And she goes in to fight a lizard kind of Medusa style monster. Except the... the also very creepy. Yeah. Except the snake mouths kind of form like scratchy hands. The, they cut into the floor and Usagi turns and she's like, oh... That could hurt me. That actually seems really dangerous. Like, she has a moment of realizing, again, the kind of danger she is in. And then Tuxedo Mask shows up in a much less dramatic fashion this episode. He's just kind of leaning in a doorway. And then, you know, he gives a spiel and he just turns and runs away down the hall. There's no, like, dramatic jumping or, like... I'm trying to downplay my guy. I mean, it's just the first one, you know, he's up at high window and his cape is billowing and all of this stuff. And he's he says something that is completely wrong, but he does, like, jump away dramatic. This time he, like, he shows up leaning in a doorway and then he's just like, I now bye, and, like, turns around and just kind of jogs down the hall. Yeah, yeah, we get another very scary monster, and uh, yeah, I've been loving these uh, monster designs. Yeah, I there's there's another theme between these two that um, I want to point out, and I want to see how this kind of art plays with watching it with you now that I'm thinking about it this way. But these two episodes kind of have Jedi sort of making maybe the only astute observation Jedi ever makes. Mm -hmm about a really cynical idea of human nature. So extremely consumerist. So sort of this like shopping craze over like frivolous luxury things like jewelry. 
And then, you know, once again, this, like, everybody going to the new big flashy thing. Um, Jedi's got these ideas of, like, how can I get the most energy from the most amount of people at once? He's really trying to do, like, a mass event. And so it's like, here's some frivolous spending. Here's a shiny, flashy new building that's promising to solve your problems. So... Yeah, even though it's not the strongest episode, we do get some really good kind of Usagi character moments when she kind of figures out what's going on and her in that fight when she's trying to like square up and then she gets a little scared. Um, and then, you know, her managing to, to defeat the second monster, I think is good. And I'm finding more that I do like here um, than I was expecting to since we started talking about it. We see Mamoru again getting hit in the head by something Usagi throws. Mm. So second episode in the row. The first time it was her test and this time it was her shoe. How the hell do they keep running into each other? You know, like, Aren't they in Tokyo? Tokyo's like the most populated metropolitan area in the world. Well, they're in the 10th ward in Tenth Tokyo. Ward. So it's it's Juban, which means like yeah, but I feel 10 like, ward. I feel like Juban have 200,000 people in it. I mean, probably, but at least we're not trying to get through all of Tokyo. No, I mean, yeah. Also, damn, living in Juban must be rough. All the other wards must be like, why? Why? But, you know, maybe there's a reason they keep running into each other. Hmm. This episode gives us the first appearance of uh, Motoki. She's a guy Usagi has a crush on at the arcade. And when we see him for the first time, which by the way, Motoki is anime grant. Mm. Yeah, he's great looking. So I get that. <laughs> I respect that. I just meant like coloring and nope. eye color no, and maybe no, don't a little people. personality. But he shows up in a blazer and a vest and like a striped like again great fashion great fashion choice uh ace uh looks like he's in the future and the past at the same time he's got to take off all those layers except his like button up to put on his arcade apron well that's because he's always at work he's 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 a businessman you think he's coming from a previous job you think that's i think he's coming from something important and going to also something important which is his job he's not even wearing like a like a pullover vest though it's like a waistcoat well i mean he is just i think what he was going for is kind of like vagabond chic <laughs> what with waistcoats and blazers yeah but they were untucked oh okay well um so in the end of the episode, we get Usagi understanding that her friend was under like evil monster control and... Yeah, she was pretty understanding. I was surprised but also appreciative because I think that says something about her that she realizes, hey, this isn't really my friend and like... Omino is obviously deeply ashamed, though it doesn't seem like he remembers it because uh, Naru I think it came, says... I think it kind of came back to him when Naru... It seems like maybe it's either like a trauma response or some sort of like magic... That, well, um, that's what I kind of read it as, like a magic thing. Because in the previous episode, Naru says that she had a dream that she was attacked by a monster. Right. And Sailor Moon saves her. Right. And then stuff seems to be coming back to Umino as Naru describes what happened. So maybe if nobody had mentioned it to him, he would have kind of forgotten it. But, you know, he's like, oh, I did do that. Oh, and yeah. then it's like um, it's like when you're drunk. Yeah, it is a little <laughs> bit like. Oh, I I did that. Oh. He's got a he's got a magical hangover yeah. from uh, the energy stealing. Uh, it's really just dehydration. But it's also like, yes, you peed in my bushes, but it's fine. The bushes are all right. Yeah, that that would be fine. That's. I know. I'm just comparing it to. Uh, things you've done? Things I've done while drunk <laughs> that people have in their magnanimity 
forgiven me for. Okay, so I think that kind of wraps up the first two. Do you have any um, final thoughts and any final feelings about um, like the last uh, you know, 40 minutes of your life watching a, a little girl's cartoon? I really enjoyed it. I didn't like come into it with many expectations, and um, I really enjoyed it. It doesn't do a lot of the things that animes tend to do that annoy me, which I really like or that are just such tired tropes. And it just feels really fresh and fun. And that's a testament to it because it's almost 30 years old now, huh? Yeah, I think it really does hold up. Um, even talking about like the budget and stuff, I'm really glad that it's all hand-drawn. Yeah. And the animation is hand-drawn. There's no CGI or anything like that. Yeah, because that immediately looks so dated. And yeah, it, it doesn't. hardly ever holds up. And it's not a, done in a very um, kind of generic, everyday anime style. Like, it... The show, this show does change stylistically a lot, but it is very recognizable as being like this specific show, which is good because when you get these kind of trends in the industry, um, like I'm not sure what the trend is right now, but a few years back the trend was everything was like very moe face. Once the trend changes, like that just doesn't age well or look good or hold up. But I think also this is a good time that we're rewatching it to maybe like be kind of rosy about it because all of these things have really much have really come back into style a lot of the fashion seems to have like yeah kind of we're kind of in another wave of like 90s fashion has come back in vogue a lot of those cuts and styles yeah and even beyond that like i was saying um a lot of the, the visual language too with like it's kind of vapor wavy and it's kind of like yeah plastic yeah, love yeah and, definitely you know future pop but yeah, so the next episodes we're going to do are three and four. And episode three is one about a love letter kind of gossipy radio show. Um, and in the preview, Luna even says she kind of chastises Usagi for liking gossip so much. Like like Keith Sweat? Yeah. Okay. Um, which I think is another kind of like dig at sort of frivolous human pastimes. Like now we're, now we're into kind of the... The trash consumption of media and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's get messy. Yeah. And okay. then the episode after that we're going to watch is probably one of the most controversial and uh, maybe hated episodes in the entire series. So. Okay. Look forward to it. Yeah. All right. See you next time for three and four. Mm-hmm. We're going to... Is there an ending? Are you going to Oshiokio us out? Oshiokio! Buffy, you're cut. Buffy. One of my favorite things, and something that... Girl. Why? Por qué? Por qué, Buffy? Okay, anyway, back on. That can be the stinger at the end. It's just us being like, you know how it's like on My Favorite Murder? It's like, uh, Elvis, want a cookie? Yeah. It's like, why, Buffy? <laughs> no, I like that. Or Buffy, you're cut. Um...